Hey, it's Brian. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that's what they call iTunes nowadays, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker along with a handwritten note of gratitude. Just leave a review and then write me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Give me your Apple Podcasts username and a mailing address. Your reviews help more people find the show, so it's like spreading Christmas cheer. Thanks. I'm strolling down the streets of Victorian London, past the tailor shop and the baker selling mince pies, rubbing elbows with lords and ladies, lots of waxed mustaches and fur hand muffs to be seen, when I come across a group of musicians out in front of a tavern. Moving on, I see chimney sweeps and festive dancers, telegram delivery boys, and everywhere you go, people tipping a top hat to wish you... Happy Christmas, sir. Welcome here. Welcome here. Now, if it sounds like I've gone back in time, well, I guess I have. Sort of. But to be more precise, I have gone to the Cow Palace in San Francisco for the 36th annual Dickens Fair where from late November through Christmas Eve Eve, this cavernous expo center is transformed into something like a walk-in Victorian Christmas postcard. You can meet old Fezziwig and Father Christmas. See body musical numbers and other performances. Buy actual chestnuts roasted on an open fire and these warm roasted cinnamon almonds that are worth the trip in and of themselves. Trust me on that one. You can even meet the Queen and Prince Albert. Hello. Are you visiting from the Americas? Yes, we are. Excellent. And what part of the Americas are you from? I hear it is a very large continent. Uh, We are from California. It is indeed. Very good geography. In fact, there are nearly 800 performers walking around to create an immersive and believable experience. The streets even have names. So I'm walking down Nickleby Road along with my very patient wife. How would you say that your enthusiasm for the Dickens Fair compares to my enthusiasm for the Dickens Fair? Um, I would say if yours is a 10, mine is maybe a 3. <laughs> a 3? because we are on official business. We're looking for Tavistock House, where I have an appointment to meet someone. Hello, sir. What's your name? Charles Dickens. Uh, Not the Charles Dickens. Well, uh, I don't suppose there's another, but there might just be. Fairly common name, that. But we'll get back to all of that later. It's impossible to imagine a modern Christmas without the influence of the Victorian era. We probably wouldn't put up a Christmas tree had Prince Albert not brought that tradition to England from his native Germany. And of course, it's impossible to imagine Christmas without the best-known work of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. In fact, that story, which was just one of many Christmas stories he wrote, by the way, was so hugely influential that some people have gone so far as to suggest that Charles Dickens more or less invented Christmas as we know it today. There was even a book and later a movie about Dickens titled The Man Who Invented Christmas. So, did he? That's why I'm here. Well, that and the cinnamon almonds. To get to the bottom of the story straight from the source. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past.
Let's start at the beginning. Why would anyone think that Charles Dickens invented, quote-unquote, Christmas? Hadn't Christmas been around for centuries before he came along? Well, yes, of course. But we need to understand where Christmas had been just prior to Mr. Dickens. In 1644, an act of Parliament under the direction of the puritanical Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas. When he died, the king was recalled, or the royal family was recalled in 1660, and Christmas was reintroduced. But interestingly, the practice of Christmas had fallen into disrepute. That's Jerry Bowler. He's a professor and the author of several books, including Christmas in the Crosshairs. And for over 150 years, uh, English Christmas was associated only with the lower classes. And Christmas became associated with a kind of drunken outdoor revelry. Historians note that for a long time, the most frequent mentions of Christmas celebrations uh, occurred on the, the police report part of the newspaper. We'll actually hear much more from Dr. Bowler in another episode later in the season. But for now, let's fast forward to Victorian London in the 1840s. Christmas is there, but vastly deteriorated and pretty far afield from what we know today. Old customs like the 12 days of Christmas, Twelfth Night, feasting and caroling had all pretty much vanished. The puritanically oriented still had some amount of influence. And a lot of people in London were poor, and working conditions were such that not a lot of people got the day off for Christmas. All that stuff in A Christmas Carol about child labor and workhouses and debtors' prisons for the poor was taken from real life. It's actually thought to be a big part of the reason he wrote the story. In fact, in 1842, the British government released a lengthy report after a two-year investigation into child working conditions in coal mines and factories. Dickens was so upset with what he read that he began work on a pamphlet to voice his opposition. The pamphlet never materialized, but the themes in it were brought to life and embodied by characters in A Christmas Carol. And Dickens' brand of Christmas was focused less on partying in the streets and more on charity and family and sentiment. The Victorians were willing to bring Christmas back in a much more uh, uh, secular way. That's Kevin Patterson, and he's the producer of the Dickens Fair. And Charles Dickens made the, the wonderful discovery, if you will, of the need for people to simply have a sense of brotherly love again and of having an open-heartedness and just celebrate their common humanity and celebrate the season and have charity for those less fortunate and raise a toast to, uh, to the changing of the seasons, but also to give gifts and to, to, uh, to share and share alike. That is what's embodied in the story of A Christmas Carol. To be sure, there were other factors at play that were shaping Christmas into a more homey, family-centric celebration. Railroads, for example. Christmas travel before them was practically unheard of because most of the roads would be snowed over and unusable. But railroads made the whole idea of coming home for Christmas possible. Not only that, but it was now possible to transport fresh foods long distances so that city dwellers had an easier time finding provisions for a proper holiday feast. So we can say that Dickens was at least part of the puzzle. Through his story, he was able to spread far and wide a brand of Christmas celebrated in a certain way and with a certain framing. To get the full scoop, let's go back to Tavistock House in London, or the Cow Palace if you want to be a stickler, and get it straight from the source. My understanding was, until fairly recently, Christmas wasn't a big deal here in London or in most of England. Is that true? No, I don't think that's true at all. I think it just was a different sort of celebration. It was a festival of 
the winter time. I think we can go back to the celebration of Saturnalia. Many would call it um, pagan, perhaps. Uh, certainly with the name reference to the Roman form, Saturnalia, but it's an ancient celebration of wintertime in which, at the darkest of winter, lights are brought out to remind ourselves that the light is even in the darkest place. And this is really the celebration of Christmas. But that isn't the point. That's not the point of Christmas at all. And I suppose it may be said of Christmas the way we see it now that um, my framing in A Christmas Carol and certain other stories I've written a lovely little piece called A Christmas Tree uh, celebrates that the, the, the visual of Christmas the senses of Christmas uh, the Christmas with the star or the angel on top of the tree and all the gifts stacked in the branches and so on um, this is something I've written about and it really wasn't me but I wrote about it and there's the key so I really think I probably have framed it in a way that hasn't been known before, but Christmas has definitely been with us for a very long time. I wish I could stay in this magical Christmas world forever, but I have to return to 2018. I do love seeing those old traditions live and up close, but the here and now is where we have a chance to start new traditions of our own. That's something Claire in England knows something about, as she shares in this Christmas memory. Hello, and greetings from Cambridgeshire in England. My name's Claire, and I turned 27 in December, but I still feel like a kid at Christmas. I love the time with my family and my friends, and I love the traditions that we keep. Whether that's decorating the Christmas tree with my mum, or listening to carols at the local church on Christmas Eve. This is the second year with my boyfriend Jack. And with that, I wanted a new tradition, one that all generations and hopefully future ones can participate in. This year, alongside the Christmas crackers at dinner time, we'll be reading a poem about someone else in the room. We've already picked the names out of a hat to give us plenty of time to get creative. It seems like Christmas has evolved for centuries, so I thought we'd start something new. Merry Christmas, everyone. I really want to hear an example of the kind of poem she's describing. Maybe she'll share it in the Christmas Past Facebook group. Are you a member of the Facebook group? You should be. It's awesome. And you know what else would be awesome? Sharing your own Christmas memory. It's never too late. Record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail on my Google Voice line at 650-394-7162. Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks to Jerry Bowler, Kevin Patterson, and Charles Dickens. He also sometimes goes by the name of Robert Young. Thanks to Claire in England, and as always, thank you for listening. Do you want to see pictures of the Dickens Fair, including one of me interviewing Father Christmas? Well, then you'll want to head over to christmaspast.media and check out the show notes for this episode. And yep, that is the actual web address, christmaspast.media. I know it sounds funny, but you'll get used to it. While you're there, you can also check out all of the quizzes and articles and infographics and announcements and everything else there that I've made for you. And at the bottom of every page, you'll find links to that Facebook group and all of my other social media like Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Yes, indeed, I have a YouTube channel now and you should subscribe. You know what else you should subscribe to? This podcast. That way you won't miss anything because this season's just getting started. And I've got some surprises for you. I don't want you to miss anything. This show is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the best Christmas shows around. 
ones like Hallmark and Jess, where Mark and Jessica laugh, shout, and probably sing too much as they break down Hallmark Channel movies. Find out more about Hallmark and Jess and all the other great Christmas Podcast Network shows at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Wow, we're barely a week into the Christmas season and it already feels like it's going by too fast. But let's enjoy it while it lasts, so please join me again next time for more stories from Christmas Past. <laughs>